Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Tom Sloyer, your host. Glad to have you with us. We're also glad to hear from you. And we did hear from a listener recently. I want to share her letter with you. Her name is Patricia, and she's from Utica, Illinois. And this is what she writes. She was thanking us for our program on the Dormition, or in other words, the Assumption, which, by the way, is coming up August 15th. And she said, in the past, I had always been told that there were two theories, either that Mary had died first so she could experience death like her son, or that she had been taken to heaven without dying. But the predominant theory was that she had died. But I could never reconcile that with Genesis 5, verse 24, that says, Then Enoch walked with God, and he was no longer here, for God took him. And 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, As they walked on conversing a flaming chariot, and flaming horses came between them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. It always seemed to me that if God took two righteous men to heaven without dying, surely he would take the holy and righteous mother of his son to heaven without dying as well. When I added Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother, the first commandment that doesn't refer to our relationship with God, it seemed preposterous that Jesus would allow Mary to die. Your explanation that Mary was taken to heaven, body and soul, at the end of her life, as God had originally intended for all of us, makes perfect sense. And so, I am glad I heard your program yesterday. Thank you, Pat, from Utica, Illinois. I'm glad you got the message. I'm glad it was clear enough. Because, as always, there are two complementary ways to arrive at the same point in the church. That's what we mean by the church breathing with both lungs, east and west. We arrive at the same point when we get there from different perspectives, equally valid, equally ancient, and deep and rich. So when it comes to the assumption of the Virgin Mary or the Dormition, just to review a little bit based on Pat's letter here, yes, the Eastern Church does believe that she died and was buried, but not in the same way. She did not die in the same way as we know death. She did eventually Go, body and soul, intact, which we also call, or refer to as virginally. 
Virgin means intact, oneness. She went intact, gently, peacefully into the next life. The way that Adam and Eve, you and I, would have gone, or would go, or will go, (laughs) had it not been for original sin. This is why the Virgin Mary had to pass into the next life and what we're referring to as death. But you notice that we don't use that word death. We use the word dormition in Eastern churches, which means more like a sleep, some kind of a state like death where there was a passing on into the next dimension, the next life. But the important thing is she passed on with her body and soul together intact, beautifully, without pain, just like her childbirth, without pain, without corruption, virginally. That's the key. And the reason why that's a key is because that is how we would pass into eternal life according to God's original plan, which got disrupted from sin. Remember, original sin brought death and everything related to death, such as the disintegration of the body from the soul, the disintegration of the whole cosmos. Something that was designed by God beautifully, perfectly, ingeniously gets corrupted by the sin of Adam and Eve and by our subsequent sins from original sin. But the Virgin Mary went into the next world, dormition. She fell asleep, so to speak, and entered into the next life. The West says she was assumed into heaven, body and soul. And so does the East, except the East believes that she went through a state that we would call death or more of a sleep. So I'm glad Pat got the message. I hope you did too. And again, the important thing is where we arrive. How we get there is what makes us different and beautiful. That's the diversity of the church. Speaking of the Virgin Mary, there are two trips coming up, two places for you to consider going. One of them, of course, is the pilgrimage you've heard about, the retreat pilgrimage you've heard about that I will be spiritual director for, and that is going to be Thursday to Thursday, eight days, October 26th to November 2nd of this year. It's to Fatima. I'm going to spend several days at the Byzantine Chapel. In fact, Fatima is really a meeting point between East and West. And what we're also going to do is we're going to pray at the Shrine of Our Lady of Fatima and spend three days, as I mentioned, and four nights on retreat at Fatima's Byzantine Catholic Chapel. We're going to visit the homes of the children to whom Mary appeared. We'll visit Lisbon's major sites, including the Shrine of St. Anthony. We're going to enjoy Obidos, a walled medieval town, and Nazari, a famous fishing village, and also explore the historic monastery of Santa Maria da Victoria in Batalha and Santorum, a location of a Eucharistic miracle. Now, all this and so much more information about the trip can be obtained by going to horizons at parma.org. That's an email, horizons at parma.org. And in the subject line, print Laura. Laura in the subject line, and the email is horizons at parma.org. Again, October 26th to November 2nd. It's Thursday to Thursday. By the way, our new bishop, who is from Slovakia, the new bishop for our Eparch of Parma, a Byzantine Catholic Eparch of Parma, Bishop Milan Luck, is going to go on the trip as well. There are other clergy that are going as well, some of them notable clergy. And above all, though, our bishop is going. So it's a chance to, to meet him and go with someone of that caliber on pilgrimage, a bishop from Slovakia, a Byzantine Catholic bishop, Bishop Milan Luck of the Eparchy of Parma. There's another point of destination relative to the Virgin Mary. 
And this point is something that comes up around this time every year. We promote it. We talk about it. It's the annual pilgrimage in honor of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, September 2nd and 3rd, 2017. That's at Mount St. Macrina in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Beautiful, beautiful area of the Laurel Highlands towards West Virginia. It's in the southwest corner of Pennsylvania. Very scenic place, rivers and mountains and so on. And Mount St. Macrina is like little heaven on earth. Again, it's in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. That's southwestern part of Pennsylvania, right near the Virginia border. And to find out more, go to sistersofstbasil.org, sistersofstbasil.org. It's a weekend, September 2nd and 3rd, that's Saturday and Sunday. This pilgrimage is a place that has hosted many, many people for many, many years. And they come back, many of them come back for generations, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I know that's the case with my own family. My grandfather went, great-grandfather, and so on. Of course, I don't have children. I'm a celibate priest. I have spiritual children, but not (laughs) biological children. But my brother, Greg, has eight children, and they're carrying on the tradition very well. So they're, they're about the fourth or fifth generation that's doing that. That's how attractive this pilgrimage and this place is. It's run by the Sisters of St. Basil the Great. They're an order of Byzantine Catholic nuns. And they warmly invite you to the 83rd Annual Pilgrimage in honor of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. In fact, the theme is Merry Life-Giving Spring. And there's a beautiful icon of the Life-Giving Spring, which, by the way, I just so happen to be painting on the exterior wall of my church. That's right. What a coincidence. (laughs) I was surprised when I got this information from the sisters. And they chose Merry Life-Giving Spring with that beautiful icon as a theme, because that's exactly what I'm painting on the exterior of my church. So, two places of destination relative to the Mother of God. During this time of year also, since it's August, we're looking towards the autumn, the fall. And that means that in nature, and oftentimes in some areas of our lives, there's a passing away and a passing on, a passing into the next season. We have children. Some of you have adult children that are going back to college. Some are graduating from high school and going on to college. Some are leaving or they're done with college, so they're maybe getting a job and leaving the home and so on. We have the leaves turning colors in many parts of the country and falling to the ground eventually and foreshadowing the coming of winter. So we're approaching the time of of autumn, which is a transitional time, a time that in a very glorious way reminds us of death of things that must pass and die away. And it's happened in a lot of people's lives, at least people that I know of lately, some very heartbreaking passing in their lives of people they've loved. It's sometimes been sudden, tragic, but it's always been very heart-wrenching, been difficult. People also see the passing of events in the world today, the changes that occur that are leaving people confused and scandalized oftentimes. They ask, where is God in all this? How do I stay happy, joyful, like Pope Francis is always asking Christians to be joyful? How do we stay that way when we see so much passing on, so much passing away, so much heartache? We're going to look at that question through the spirituality of the Byzantine Church when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now. 
by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Here we are sitting in the middle of the prairie at Annunciation Parish in beautiful Homer Glen, Illinois. And with me is Father Tom Loya. Father Tom, please tell us about Prairie Fest. This is the 10th anniversary of Prairie Fest, which is a festival for the entire family where you'll enjoy music, a grand cash raffle with $12,000 in total prizes, a beer garden, animal shows, juggling, wine art, bake sale, and more. Prairie Fest kicks off Friday, August 11th at 5 p.m. with music by Evolution Project, Piano Man, and Abba Salute. Then, on Saturday, August 12th at noon, is Family Day with kids' games, animal shows, juggling, and more. At 4 p.m., the music kicks off on Family Day. Then at 7, the Nick Lynch Band. Sunday, August 12th, starting at 11 a.m., prepare to polka with the Polka Generations Band. While you're enjoying all of this music, food, and fun, take a guided tour of this beautiful prairie and experience the church's breathtaking interior during the Annunciation Parish Church Tours. Only a $5 cover for those 18 and over for Prairie Fest on Friday and Saturday with free admission on Sunday. On-premises parking, just $5. For early registration discount for the Wine Arch Studio and event schedule, visit ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Prairie Fest. Friday through Sunday, August 11th through the 13th at Annunciation Parish, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host, as we prepare for the great feast of the Dormition or the Assumption of the Mother of God. And we're looking at this question of passing, tragic passing of death, of a dying away, of changes that oftentimes confuse us, leave us grief-stricken. And I've experienced that a lot as a priest with many people that I know. That's why I thought I might address it today through the eyes of Byzantine spirituality. Remember, although we refer to the history a lot on this program, the Eastern churches and their spirituality are not just a history lesson. Neither is the scripture. I always tell people from the pulpit at my church, the scripture is our story. We're we're looking in a mirror, reading ourselves. We're reading about our own lives in the scripture. Yes, there's a historical context, but the scriptures transcend time. That's why we say in the church, so oftentimes when we pray, we use the word today. Today, Christ is baptized in the Jordan. Today, Christ is born. When it comes to the scripture and the spirituality of the church, especially the sacraments, there is no past, present, future. It's always a kairos time. So with the passing of time, oftentimes comes sadness and grief, even depression, even despair. What does the Byzantine spirituality have to say to us that is relevant? The most relevant aspect of Byzantine spirituality, I believe, in regard to grief, to depression, the passing on, the sense of things dying away or of changing in a way that makes us sad or confused or lonely. That part of Byzantine spirituality, which I think is most helpful, has to do with what I think is its central genius. The genius of the Eastern spirituality is that it is integrated. It lives and draws us into living in the both and. I'm going to give you an example, one of the best examples I can come up with from Byzantine spirituality are some of the texts from the Rite of Christian Burial, 
in the Byzantine church. One of the most characteristic features of the rite of Christian burial in the Byzantine tradition are the, well, actually the many dogmatic and beautiful hymns. They're like going on retreat. It's like a meditation. And among them, the most famous are the hymns of St. John Damascene, which he wrote actually for a friend at a friend's request for his friend's own funeral. And John Damascene wrote these meditations, and we call them the hymns of St. John Damascene, which are sung at funeral services in the Byzantine church according to eight different tones. There's actually eight of these hymns. Let's look at how these hymns bring us through the both and, and the answer for how do we deal with things that seem to overwhelm us. The first hymn says, What earthly delight endures unmingled with grief. Now, how about that for being real? What earthly delight endures unmingled with grief. What earthly glory remains immutable. All things are less than a shadow, more deluding than a dream. In a single moment, all these are effaced by death. Okay, now, are you sufficiently depressed? (laughs) Well, the point here is not to actually depress us. It's to move us through. It's like, well, I like to say we get on the wings of the church. Get on the wings of the prayer of the church. The church knows what it's doing. We need to give the church a lot more of our trust. The church is greater than we are. It's been around for 2,000 years and has boasted of many, many brilliant saints and martyrs who have passed down to us this richness of prayer and liturgy. So climb on the wings of the church or the prayer of the church. What it does is it draws us through everything that we're feeling, the, the human drama, and it looks directly at the tragedy, what it is that is causing us grief and depression and confusion, whether it's a death of a loved one or the world events that seem to be so, so ominous, so hopeless. So it draws us through that. In other words, it, it, it embraces that. It looks at it realistically, but it doesn't leave us there. Because here's the other half of this verse. But in the light of your countenance, O Christ, and in the enjoyment of your beauty, grant rest to the one whom we have chosen for you love mankind. Notice how beautiful and optimistic that becomes. It's not either or. We don't superficially say, oh, he was a wonderful person. He's in heaven now. Everything's wonderful. Let's go party. Nor do we just languish in the grief. We move through it. Yes, what earthly delight remains unmingled with grief. What earthly glory remains immutable. All things are less than a shadow. Yeah, we do move through that. It's very therapeutic and very realistic. But we come out of it with the other part of the both and by, first of all, referring to the countenance of Christ, the light of of your countenance. A countenance means your basic demeanor, your basic personality, that that part of you that shines through your face, through just the way you are. Countenance, it's a a very rich, beautiful term, and we need to use it more often. And then it says, and in the enjoyment of your beauty, another positive comment there, grant rest to the one whom you have chosen. See, we don't say they died, we say that God chose them. So we're seeing their death as something that God had something to do with in a loving way, as though he chose them to come to himself. And then we end that by saying, for you love mankind. See, see how we begin? Darkness, reality, at least the fallen reality. Then we come into the real reality, the light of God, his beauty, his mercy. Let's look at another verse. All is vanity in man, 
that does not outlive death. Neither riches endure, nor does glory survive. For with the coming of death, all these are destroyed. Let us exclaim to Christ the immortal, grant rest to the departed servant in the dwelling of those enjoying happiness. You see that same rhythm of the both and? Here's one of my favorites. I recall the prophet crying out, I am ashes and dust. And again, I looked into the graves and saw bones laid bare. And I said, which is king or soldier, rich or poor, righteous or sinner? Despite all this, O Lord, give rest to your departed servant with the just. You know, whenever I see, as you and I probably both do, we see people in the news, people of power, people of arrogance that sometimes use their power to lord over people, use it selfishly, their wealth and arrogance and so on. And I think to myself, this verse actually, because it's rather comforting and it keeps me on track spiritually. It keeps me from being angry and judgmental about what I see in other people. Because I think to myself, as this verse says, you look in the grave and everybody will end up in a grave. Which is king or soldier, rich or poor, righteous or sinner? In other words, we all end up the same way. What does your riches and fame matter when your body lays there dead and decaying like anybody else's? (laughs) You're not exempt from it because you are a person of prestige or power or wealth. So the liturgy, again, gives us a comfort. It keeps things in perspective and therefore keeps us on track. Here's another one I think is very rich. I weep and lament as I contemplate death, and behold our beauty fashioned the image of God, resting in the tombs, disfigured, deprived of glory and expression. Oh, what a wonder! What is this mystery? Why have we been delivered to corruption? Why subjected to death? Indeed, as it is written, by the command of God, for he grants rest to the departed. Now, that's saying a lot theologically here. First of all, we're contemplating death. That's really what is done in the liturgy and in the mystical theology of the Eastern churches. That's, again, part of our genius. As we meditate on something, our, our liturgy is like a meditation. It's like going on retreat with a retreat master. Only the retreat master is the liturgy itself, the liturgical text provided to us by great saints like St. John Damascene. But then it says, okay, I'm contemplating death, and behold, our beauty fashioned the image of God, resting in the tombs. It's disfigured now, deprived of glory and expression. Oh, what a wonder. What is this mystery? In other words, we're we're contemplating this reality that if we remain the image likeness of God, how can we possibly end up in what seems to be such disfigurement, deprived of glory? What is this mystery? Why have we been delivered to corruption? Well, as it says, by the command of God, from sin, God said, you will return to the earth from which you were taken. Death came into the picture because of our original sin. But then it ends, as always, on the positive. He grants rest to the departed. Let's look at one more. There's eight of these, but we'll look at one more. As a flower withers and a shadow passes, so every man will die. But when the trumpet sounds, the dead will rise again as in an earthquake to meet you, O Christ our God. Then, O Master, place in the abode of your saints the soul of your servant, whom you have taken from us. Now, that was sobering. As a flower withers and a shadow passes, so every man will die. And it says in the Psalms that our lives are like a breath. A thousand years is like a single moment or a day to God. 
Now, that should be very, very helpful to us. And again, keeping on track spiritually, the great saints of the Byzantine Church used to say, think about your death a few minutes every day, your death and judgment. It'll change your life. It'll keep you on track. And that's true. So our lives are like a flower that just withers and passes. But we will rise again at the command of God, body and soul reunited. And for those who are blessed, will be taken to heaven in the abode of your saints, as the prayer says, to live with God, transfigured, glorious, intact, virginal, body and soul reunited again, gloriously transfigured. This is what awaits us. And this is the great hope that we sing and pray about in the rite of Christian burial in the Byzantine church. So it is the liturgy of the church that gives us the answer, how do we deal with things? that seem to be so overwhelmingly unfair, unjust, and such causes of grief, pain, and confusion. The answer is always, climb onto the wings of the church, especially her prayer and liturgy. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. With Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. The church has 2,000 years of wisdom to share on what it takes to live life gracefully. We're so overwhelmed by how much our faith has transformed our marriage and family, especially. We want everyone to experience the incredible gift that the Catholic vision of life and love really is. More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. Weekdays, 10 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.